No, go ahead, talk. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. No. Do it. No. Do it. <laughs> Say, you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you're listening to the Word Bros Podcast. The WordBros.com. Welcome to another fabulous edition of Word Bros. I'm Kevin. And that's Bob yawning. I was yawning. My yawn <laughs> has nothing to do with my lack of enthusiasm. It's uh, just late. level of enthusiasm. It's 1045 here on the East Coast on a Tuesday. I'm pretty sleepy. I'm ready to go to bed. Um, we already did the interview. It was really great. We talked to Tim Watt. He's got a book coming out called The Republic. It's very cool. He's launching his Kickstarter today. He's a new new guy in this comics game, trying to see what's up, trying to make his way in this busy and crazy field. He's got a lot of big ideas, and you're going to hear them all right now. I think you know, I didn't know how timely that my uh, my book would be. <laughs> That's fun. It's weird too because I was just upstairs talk, talking to my daughter about uh, all the stuff going on in Ukraine and oh, all that God. jazz, and we're having that conversation about you know this, that, and the other thing, and yada yada yada. So it's like, well, dude, I mean, this has been going on for years, and yeah. you know, being a student of history, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis in the sixties, oh, yeah. and it's just, it's going to be okay. And there's nothing you can really do to kind of what you're worrying about. It isn't going to help, but it's just, it's just a shitty conversations you have to have with your 11 year old daughter. Who's way too smart, you know? Right. Yeah. And also you don't necessarily want to give her an existential crisis at 11. Yes. Yes. yes <laughs> no. Yes. Uh, and, and, and I also had the same conversation and I said, like, the difference is that you guys don't have like Mad Max is definitely fiction for you guys. And for, for us growing up, like, you would always wonder and ask your buddies like do you think it's going to be like that you know but like well, yeah, but, but also you think about you know i'm i'm of the age where you know mad or uh, road warrior was my and we can get into actually i'll hold that story and you can I've, I've already hit record you just you were talking you were talking over the this meeting is being recorded thing so we're good to go so you don't have to worry about you don't have to save anything for the podcast tim we're recording right now <laughs> good enough <laughs> we'll we'll go ahead and get going then but anyway, well, yeah, what I was saying is, uh, you know, my intro to, to post-apocalypse was uh, part Road Warrior mm-hmm. and uh, part uh, role-playing game that most people, most people know D&D. They don't know that TSR also put out another game about the same time called Gamma World. I've never heard of Gamma World. Really? I played Gamma World in high school. Really? Oh, nice. Right on. Yeah, that is TSR's post-apocalyptic role-playing game. I wonder, yep. why that, I wonder why that never caught on. I don't know, because I thought it was great. And I came across both of those, Road Warrior and that game, about the same time. And that's kind of what lit the spark that this apocalyptic stuff is cool. And just went there. And I mean, like everything in life, you know, you have ups and downs of, I'm really into this. And then it kind of fade away and you get interested in something else. And then it comes back around. And, you know, uh, it came back around for a few years a few years ago, I co-hosted a podcast for five years 
where we talked about post-apocalyptic, you know, movies, TV shows, books, all that stuff. Okay. Okay. And after, you know, over a hundred episodes of critiquing all of that, I kind of pieced together that I might have a story of my own to tell. All right. Well, that's interesting. Well, tell us about the story that you have to tell. Well, I want to know so much more about your, so like your, telling me about your podcast that you used to do. I want to know about that. How did, how did you guys like, there's, cause there's so much like post-apocalyptic fiction and films and books and how did you, what was the criteria of, of things that would hit, if you will? The funny thing is we started it about, let's see now, maybe 11 years ago. Okay. So, because it ran for about five years and it ended about six years ago. So it was about 11 years ago that we started. And honestly, I had a concern of, was there going to be enough stuff? Because this was right at the very, very beginning of, walking dead becoming a show okay oh okay all right mm-hmm. that makes sense right like so there, 2007 there wasn't a huge yeah. amount of stuff out there mm-hmm. you know so it didn't it didn't go crazy like it like it did and very quickly we're like okay there's so much i mean we were reviewing uh low budget sci-fi channel post-apocalyptic that's, movies that's fun though <laughs> but and when we never got away from that because sometimes it was such trash it was fantastic to go into well i mean so, look at look at mystery science theater 3000 and riff tracks like they've made a whole career of just making fun of like bad yeah. science fiction and action movies so i mean there's there's clearly meat on that boat you know yeah so we had a good time with that and and also i i ended up watching some stuff that i never would have watched if it hadn't been for the podcast like i don't know if you guys ever remember uh the cw had a show called the the hundred that was yes, i know yes, what you're talking sorry, about yeah, but yeah, yeah. i ne- i've never watched it and i wouldn't have either because to be perfectly honest i saw the advertisement for it i went okay the cw has a show about the apocalypse that's interesting but it's a cw it's going to be a bunch of pretty people and you know teenage this that and the other you're which, not wrong it, it, it <laughs> did have that aspect but it also it did some brutal stuff it did some things i didn't expect the cw show to do and I thought that it was far better than I ever expected it to be. That's good. Well, that leads to my next question. Did you guys actually have like a top 10? Did you, did you compile a top 10 of like things that you really liked, you Um, know, because, because I would wonder what people who are into like this, like what would, what would you recommend? Like what would be your top 10, Tim, of of like post-apocalyptic films and or shows? Well, um, I would have to say two, my two probably favorite movies that in that genre have to be both book of Eli and the road. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. I love both of those movies. Yeah. I don't have either of you read the, the book of the, oh, road. yeah, the road is, yeah. the road is a tough read. There's McCarthy. No, yeah. There's yeah. no, there's no punctuation. It's written almost like poetry. The way the prose is kind of laid out. Like, I'm so glad you said that. Cause when I started write, reading it, I was like, what is this? And it was really weird. And I wasn't sure what it was going on. Cause you yeah. in the beginning, you weren't entirely sure who was speaking. And then as I got through in I like how you said that it was kind of like a poem or poetry or something, because I I likened it to like an oral tradition, like a Homeric epic, like the Iliad or something that you, when you're reading it, you feel like you're sitting around a fire and some guy came to town and he's telling you this great story about the man and the sun and all this stuff. Yeah. Yes. And so once I got into that and I accepted that formatting, I really liked it. 
And it's a phenomenal book. And when I got done, I wanted to stick my head in an oven. Yeah. Yeah. It took, <laughs> it took my, it's my wife never actually finished the movie. Uh, I watched the road when Netflix was still when, I mean, you can still do it, but no one does when you get the DVDs. Uh, oh, I have a friend that does physical DVDs. I have a friend who does it too, because there's still, there's still a lot, a lot of really good stuff you can get on physical DVDs, but this was before they even had the streaming option where this right. was the only way you could do it. Um, and it took me about seven months to watch the road. It was a hard watch. Like it was every time I would turn it on, I would just be like, it's, it's just so, brutal. It's yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's just so brutal and depressing. And, and, and I give them I, I just so much feel like, credit. Shit, why am I watching this? Yeah. And I give them so much credit for, for not caving and Hollywoodizing the, the film. No. I mean, they stayed with it and it was dark and it was bleak and it was everything the book was. Yeah. And I really was impressed that they stuck with it. And then Guy Pierce shows up at the end and you're like, okay, hopefully this will get better. But you know, it probably does it. Like it's probably going to suck. Those kids are, they're, they're all going to get eaten by cannibals. Right. Yeah. It was, but that, but even more than the road, but uh, Book of Eli aesthetically, I think is just an absolutely gorgeous, for an apocalyptic movie, it's a gorgeous film. Book of Eli is a Western. And that's the thing. I, I, I don't know what it is about first. Is this your first book that you've done, Tim? Watch this is my first graphic novel. Yeah, I, I, I did a web comic with a buddy of mine years ago, a whole different, a whole different con topic and, and content and nothing like this, but this is my first graphic novel that I've done. We're talking about his book, uh, The Republic. It's on Kickstarter. I, March 1st, it goes live. So right around the date this episode drops, it's called therepubliknovel.com. Go there and you can uh, get all the information about the Kickstarter. But I don't know what it is about first comic works. My first comic work was a post-apocalyptic comic. Like, oh, nice. Why, why do we just go there? Is it because we love the genre and everything we've seen before? Or is it just, is it easy pickings, you think? Well, for me, what motivated me to do it is after analyzing so much of the content, I kind of boiled down uh, people in the apocalypse. When you see apocalyptic movies and, and books and stuff, people kind of fall generally into three different categories. You have the people that as soon as apocalypse happens, they immediately try to rebuild what they lost. And, and get back the old world makes sense <laughs> you have the people that see it as like the world offered us a reset and we can make something better so there's it's the clean slate look that's another group and then you have the group that really just can't handle what's happened and they kind of lose it and then where you get that's where you get the humongous and you know the raiders from fallout and and yeah, yeah, Warrior yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and all that sort of thing so i mean there's all and there's subgroups to all of that but for the most part that's kind of where it falls, but the cool thing is, even with all of that, the options of how you approach the story are endless. Because like my story, mine is a quote unquote real world story in that I don't have zombies, I don't have mutants, it's real people. And I, ex I like to explore how do people react when you take away the security blanket we call civilization. That's cool. Yeah. And, and also I'm a history nerd, so I pull from you know, Roman history and other stuff like that to kind of get, you know, themes and, and uh, you know, different areas like that. You know, the broad strokes, the, the story is you have one group that is, that settled in the remains of a city and over the decades, because, you know, my story takes place, you know, two, three hundred years after you know, whatever event destroys humanity. It's not now, like, let me, can I ask you, do, do yeah. you explain what happens 
I, I don't. knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> because I will tell you this right off the bat, as a dude who wrote a post-apocalyptic story <laughs> where you don't explain what happens, that's the only question you ever get. What, ha- what happens? What happens? Right. What happens? What happens? Uh, what I, happens? I what allude happens? to it. I, I allude to what happened Fair enough why. that people can kind of figure it out. But All that's right. okay. If, 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 they, if they want to ask me, you know, a hundred times, uh, I, there's no such thing as bad press. And if they want to ask me a bunch of questions, I'll be happy to have the conversation. Now, Tim, in your head, do you know what happens? Absolutely. Okay. okay. So did us. I was the same way, but I felt like that was the the one error in storytelling that I didn't, I, 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 I didn't, I told, not showed. And I think people in comics, they want to see. They want but to also, see what I happens. think that the the catalyst for apocalypse is more important. The closer your story is to the event, like if I was telling a story that was five years after the end of the world, well, how it happened would be more important to the story. Mm-hmm. When you're telling a story 200 years after it happened, there's it, it matters less why it happened. We it, we just know it happened. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. And it's also also people that have different by that time without you know uh, actual documenting things and like no computers and stuff is going to be a, like 10 different theories as to like what actually happened to and and then yeah that's, they, yeah, that's yes. one of the themes that i have in the book one of the things i love is how and we do this as humans you know going back you dig up something in egypt you can misinterpret what it is yeah just like in the apocalypse you pick up some object or item and you misinterpret what it is you know, there's a great sci-fi book called A Tentacle for Leibowitz that has like a version of the Catholic Church a thousand years in the future after the apocalypse. And, and they have a character who is like a archaeologist, you know, and he's getting things and he's completely misinterpreting what he's looking at. Okay. And so you can get more variety in your story by throwing in those curveballs, you know, like... My story, I don't come out and say it, but my story is set in Sacramento where I live. Oh, cool. And so within Sacramento, they have a basketball team called the Kings. So I'm what I call a long-suffering Kings fan. And we also have a, a pro soccer team called the Republic. They used to and be the, 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 the Republic. Okay, yeah, because I was thinking about the, are they MLS now? Um, they, right before the world exploded, uh-huh. They were being elevated to MLS. Okay. But now there's been other developments and things going on. And honestly, I don't know where the, the future okay. lies. All right. But the reason I mention that is because also being a Roman history nerd, the Roman Empire started out as a monarchy and became a republic. Well, we have a team called the Kings, which is a monarchy. We also have a soccer team called the Republic. So I draw parallels between that's Roman cl- history and and things that exist in Sacramento, that's clever. And, and the apocalypse in sports, which brings up like one of the I was gonna, the reason why I was asking the question about the top ten is because I was going to ask if you had ever seen Blood of Heroes with Rudger Hauer and how what? they how they that's a post apocalyptic movie where they do something different where it's like it's a game they play in in the in the movie they play a game called. Uh, Jaeger, Jaeger or something, Jaeger ball or Jaeger, but, but basically it's played with a dog skull and um, you have to basically run a dog skull across a field while other people are trying to protect you what and put it on top this? of a post. So it's like a mix of horseshoes and football and, huh. and it's called the blood of heroes. It's a movie with Rudger Hauer in it. Okay. It's, it's pretty awesome. I always liked it as a kid. And basically it takes the post-apocalyptic 
theme and turns it to sports. And you know who else is in the movie? Weirdly enough, um, the guy who plays Kingpin. What's his name? He's oh, in the yes. He he's one of the he's one of the blockers. One of the guys who, who okay, has a like weapon. Eighties, late seventies, early eighties movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's, it's an eighties movie, and and I saw it on HBO when I was a kid, and then I've seen it since as an adult. It's on one of the streaming services, and I was like, I forgot how much I liked this movie. I'll also so. check that out. Uh, that's why I was asking because you're because you're paralleling sports and the apocalypse. So I was like, oh, this is cool because it reminds me of this particular thing and like yeah. no, no one's ever seen it like every time i ask them have you ever seen that and they're like no i've never seen that i don't even know what you're talking about but yeah, i swear I, it's I've a seen movie a lot of stuff and that's one that slipped by me there you go we're all see we're all learning here on the podcast <laughs> so you were telling you were talking about the the kings and the republic and so this is 200 years after it falls in uh in Sacramento, California, you've got these, the artwork is fantastic. Tell me about the artist and, and how you guys came together. Um, yeah, I, I, absolutely. I'm happy to talk about that because I got so lucky. O originally, I kicked around the idea of doing the art myself. Okay. Because I've, I've, because I've always, I've always drawn. I, I've always thought of myself more of an artist than, than a writer. But I started to do it and I realized, okay, I'm not good enough to draw my own book. <laughs> there you go. That's, I mean, so, that's pretty smart. Yeah. No, it, well, the thing is, I, I, I loved the story enough that I wanted it to be better than I could do. So I started looking around and wonders of the internet. I found a penciler in Italy and she has done a phenomenal job. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. The whole, whole thing over Dropbox, she penciled it. I, I still inked it because I, I, I still wanted to be involved in the art. Okay. And then I found a colorist in Texas who also did a great job. That's and cool. The thing about my penciler, you know, her stuff, the samples that I looked at, she has a, a very dynamic style and very creative page layouts. And so I was very excited to, because obviously, you know, it's a, a, a big epic story. I, I like to describe it as post-apocalyptic Game of Thrones. Mm. And so... I'm going to, you know, there's going to be fighting. There's going to be epic stuff going on. And so I wanted somebody that could do that. And she did a great job on it. So it, she ended up making it look, you know, better than I imagined. So, so yeah, uh, her name is Alessandra Imperio and she did an absolutely fantastic, fantastic job. That's awesome. Now, did you find yourself um, being an artist yourself, did you find it difficult to work with another artist? Were you having difficulties with, oh, that's not how I wanted this panel to work, or that's not how I, I envisioned this, or did you just kind of let her do her thing and you just kind of played it in the background? Um, I let her do her thing because the, the, way, the way I wrote the book, being primarily an artist, I, I describe the way I wrote the book as I wrote it like I draw meaning that when you draw a figure, for example, you start out with like a stick figure and then you put in blocks for muscle groups and then you go and you add more detail to it. And what I did when I had the idea, I mean, the genesis for the idea of the whole story was a few years back, they built a new basketball arena in downtown Sacramento. And they always put out the artist concept sketch of what it's gonna look like. And it's uh -huh. a very unique looking building. And me having post-apocalyptic brain, I said, I wonder what that would look like in the apocalypse. There you, know, you go. A cool building, you know, yeah. look at like the side of the building is ripped out and the roof is gone or something. I thought it looked really cool. And then I started thinking about other, you know, uh, landmarks in Sacramento, what it would look like in the apocalypse. I thought, how can I put all this together into a story? So that was the beginning of how I did it. And then what I did is I wrote down like 
the whole story in like three sentences. Super simple. Wow, this happens, okay. this happens, this happens. All right. So I already had a beginning, a middle, and an end right out of the gate. That's awesome. Okay. And then I went back and I would expand it to where like it's two or three paragraphs. And then I would sit on it for a few days. And I go back and I, you know, okay, now it's two or three pages. And then when I finally got to the point where the outline at this point was maybe like half a dozen pages, then I started blocking it out of like, okay, this stuff I think will take about five pages to do. I think this will take about 10 pages to do. And I did okay. chunks like that. And then I just flushed it out and flushed it out and flushed it out. And then when I got to the point that I was ready to have somebody start drawing it, I kind of did a semi-hybrid Marvel method where I would uh, describe the plot of a page, uh -huh. but I also would include all the dialogue. So she knew about body language and, and facial expressions by the dialogue that's going on. But I never called out specific panels because I like the layouts that she did. And in my mind, I'm paying her to do that. You know, why yeah, would yeah, I, yeah. why would I put train wheels or guardrails on her? You know, I, after she does, I mean, she would do thumbnails. She wouldn't do a finished pencil, but yeah. she would do thumbnails. And I'd say, okay, I really want this beat to be more important. Make this panel bigger or slight little tweaks like that. But most of the time I'd look at it and go, that's fantastic. Go. That's cool. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And the, but why a comic? You, you like you like is it because of your art background you think tim or, or what was the reason that you decided to make the republic a comic um was it yeah as opposed to like a prose novel or something like that? right right but yeah i i'm 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 a visual person always have been my mm -hmm. I, I you know the whole time i was doing this story i saw a movie in my head i i have i'd have a hard time uh conceiving of it not visually <laughs> so it was to me it was always a comic and and actually originally it was going to be a four issue miniseries and I was going to try to get go the conventional route and find a publisher that maybe you would want to put it out and mm -hmm. get it into comic shops and do all that and then you know the world exploded and you know everybody you know comic shops were shutting down and going out of business and when they did reopen you know they're not going to put their resources on you know somebody without name recognition they want to buy the stuff they know will sell because that'll keep them in business uh -huh. I totally yeah. understand that so I did some research and found out people were having success with Kickstarter. And rather than doing four different Kickstarters, I thought I'll just package it into a single volume and do a you know graphic novel with four chapters. All right. So how many pages are we looking at total for this thing? Uh, total 118. Wow. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. That, that's a big undertaking, man. That's a that's a big chunk of stuff to. to yeah. This, this to, has to been three, this has been the last three years of my life. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And, that, and that's important because I, I don't think sometimes that uh, people know how long comics take. Like, right. you know, and then when, when you don't make comics, you think that like, oh, well, you, that's a couple months. No, no. no and, and one thing that I mentioned in the pitch video that I uh, it's important to me that people know is that everybody involved in this book has been paid for their work. That's awesome. You know, Great. I, I scrimped along and I, I paid people up front because you know as and i say this in the pitch video i don't think it's fair for me to expect somebody else to work for free no. for me to realize my dream yeah you're exactly yeah. right yeah right you know and, and and kickstarter helps with that too so that's good yeah so the goal is you know the the money from this kickstarter is not intended to pay to finish the book because the book is done you know okay for those of you that are 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 you know this is audio but for you guys you know i have some sample copies that are printed up of the book it's done oh that's and awesome so when the kickstarter is over i just have to get a hold of the printer and tell them how many to print yeah what, right. what the money is for obviously is to print the book and get it shipped out but anything left over um i have an idea for a sequel that i've outlined and i'm working on that i would love to be able to continue the story that's cool 
That's fantastic. That's all. Tim, you sound like a man with the plan, my man. Like you are ready to rock and roll. You've got this thing thought out. I, I, yeah, I have the second one outlined and I have a vague idea for a third because, of course, you know, you, this, in yeah. this world, we have to do the trilogy. <laughs> have to. I mean, these things, these things write themselves in trilogies, right? That's what I've heard. Right. Just, these, and, and, and besides, you know, when I inevitably sell it to Netflix, I need to have more material. <laughs> you are. Uh, you, you're, you're one step ahead of the game, my friend. You're living, <laughs> you're living a dangerous life, my friend, right there. <laughs> I mean, the, the other thing I was going to ask is, did Gamma World, did your Gamma World background have any influence on the story whatsoever? Is it more rooted in reality and less in like, uh, like I remember in Gamma World, uh, they had like plants that were like. Dude, like, uh, Gamma World yeah. is on drive through RPG, by the way. Oh, is? Oh, fantastic. Apparently they have like four editions of it. Like there's four E-rules for it. I, I'm oh. Nice. And if you look closely, you will, you will find a module called the Legion of Gold. And, I, and even though it's been 40 years, I remember that title because that was the first thing that we played. Um, but no, the game world didn't play into this because, like I said, my my story is much more of a real world. It's more of a of a you know Book of Eli type thing or Walking Dead without the zombies, you know that kind of thing. Because that was more my draw. You know, I, I love to consume all that stuff. I mean, I've right. lost. I don't even know how many hundreds of hours playing Fallout. You know, I absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely <laughs> love that game. And I love consuming that. But when it came to me telling a story, I naturally gravitated to more of the real world stuff of how do people cope when everything's gone? Do they snap? Do they, you know, and also another thing that's a, a theme of the book is how does morality apply when there's no more civilization? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. are things that, we would do now that would be horrific would that still be horrific then or would it no. be more acceptable you know like yeah. you know if, if i'm standing here with my family and i'm looking at you and you have food that can feed my family and they'll starve if i don't do it is it moral for me to kill you to feed my family you know yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a question you know it mm -hmm. is you're right I don't know. I, I, uh, I, I, these are things that I'm glad I don't have to worry about. Hopefully, not anytime soon. But who knows with the way things are, are kind yeah, of going. No, yeah, no did kidding. you find it? Did you find it gloomy and kind of depressing to be working on and writing a book about the apocalypse and like society's downfall while living through like a global pandemic? Like, how did that affect the writing of the book or the creation of it at all? That's a good question. Yeah, the, the majority of the book was done before the lockdown happened. Okay. So it really did, it didn't affect the plot. You know, things like uh, the, the two years of lockdown was spent doing the, the artwork. So okay. it really didn't change that. And also, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't internalize that a whole lot. I, I just look at it almost like the, the whole book and, and asking all these questions is more of an intellectual exercise that I find interesting you know like uh, the conversation that we're ha having about what about this and what about that i like that stuff so i don't get super emotional about oh this is so depressing i just look at it as well that's interesting human nature from a detached analytical standpoint is interesting as a, as a subject okay mm -hmm. yeah I'm and, and, that. And, and you mentioned like the book of eli so as, as does religion play into your post-apocalyptic uh a novel at all because that, i think that's a key point of book of eli as isn't it that um gary oldman's character wants the 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 bible because he wants to like use it to like basically control, control the yeah. masses yeah because he sees it as a control uh thing like you know religion was used to control the masses and i'm not dumb i know that so i'm gonna try and get this so i can be in control of things 
Right. And, and which is a fantastic aspect of that book. And, and, yeah. you know, um, it's been, I know the movie has been out for a while, but I won't, I don't ruin it for anybody that hasn't seen it, but the, the, the twist of the movie, you know, is, is a great reveal, you know, at the, at the end. He's of the blind. <laughs> okay. I'll let you, I'll let you do it. <laughs> He's blind, right. Isn't that the big reveal or what's the big, I haven't seen Book of Eli, and so I remember him being blind. But was that the big yeah. reveal? Yeah, that well, the, that is the reveal, along with you know Gary Oldman finally gets his hand on the Bible and he thinks that he won, and he opened it up and it's Braille. Yeah, that's right. So he can't read it. So he, he got the Bible, but he can't use it. So you know, well, and also then he died from a gunshot or whatever. Yeah, well, I mean that's that's always a bummer too, you know. <laughs> yeah, that always sucks. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but no, religion isn't part of of my story. I went more with uh, the broader. I mean, there's morality questions, obviously. We just talked about mm -hmm. that, but not, yeah. not attached to any specific religion. It's more broader, you know, human morality type things and, you know, what is right and what is wrong. And, and you know, is there a good and bad guy, you know, in a world like that where people do what they need to do to survive? And I've, I've tried hard not to uh, present things as black and white, like, oh, here's the bad guy. Here's yeah. the good guy. You know, you know, I'd rather have people say, okay, these guys are... Are, you know they're coming into conflict and it's a conflict of, of two ideologies I guess is the best way to put it but you wouldn't say that the other person you know the quote-unquote other side is wrong because they did what they need to survive and ultimately isn't that what we're all trying to do and and how far is acceptable and how far is not acceptable and you know so that's more that's as close to a religious question as I get yeah mm -hmm. that's that's interesting I mean because there are so many because I notice when I read post-apocalyptic stuff, I always want to know, like, the world building seems like such an important part of the, of the story, especially in your tale, it sounds like being 200 years into the future. So, like, how much world building do you do? Uh, world building is my favorite thing. Okay. I, I <laughs> you know, even, I mean, I had so much fun thinking about why did this happen and what happens after this and how, how would they get to this point? I mean, there's one part in the book that um, there is a, a large main library in downtown Sacramento. Okay. And in the story in my, in, in my backstory, because it's been 200 years and people have just been surviving literacy isn't completely gone, but it's essentially gone. Okay. And what's left is very rudimentary. So I have, someone in the a character in the book they, they refer to as the librarian because they're the one that's kind of piecing things together and they're trying to see if they can kind of unlock the knowledge of the ancients for for lack of a better description that makes sense but, but it's a great storytelling mechanism because i get to choose what they know and don't know so as someone like you who also wrote a post-apocalyptic story you all you always get the people that pick apart your concept and your world going well, they wouldn't have that, or why don't they have this? Or yeah, and, you know, yeah, yeah. because there's an infinite way to to build a world. You can do it a thousand different ways. It's true. But for me, mm -hmm. I can just say, okay, why don't they have this? Because they didn't find that book yet. Okay. Oh. All right. I like it. I like so it. that that helps that helps cover myself because again, being someone who critiqued that genre for you know hundred episodes of a podcast, I understand that mindset. You know, I mean, one of my you know favorite things to pick apart about post apocalyptic stuff is people driving around in cars 20 years after the apocalypse, not understanding that gasoline becomes inert after about nine months. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so unless you have a refinery that's operating, you're not driving a car anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. Now, like, uh, so this is your first venture on Kickstarter. 
how are you feeling about doing all that? I mean, Kickstarter's a tough road to hoe, my man. I mean, there's a lot of lot it, of it, projects it on there. It is very hard. I'm I'm trying to do the best I can as far as uh, promoting and 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 you know differentiating myself from everyone else. I mean, um, one example is I don't know if you saw on the the pre-launch page, but I was lucky enough to get a little video from uh, a director you might know named Kevin Smith. Yeah, how'd you pull that off? Yeah. <laughs> so that's a fun story. A um, couple of years ago, right before the lockdown, he came through town with the latest Jay and Bob movie. Okay. You know, the reboot. Yeah. And I decided that I'm, I was going to go down and see it. I thought, screw it, I'll splurge. I'll do the, the meet and greet thing where you get to say hi to him. Okay. So I went down there and I brought the first chapter of the book with me back when it was going to be a four-part thing. I brought the, what was the first issue, which okay. was the, the first chapter. And I went down there and hand to God, even though I'm an atheist, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't trying to ask him for anything. All I wanted to do is go down and say, hey, dude, you always make a big deal about if you want to make a thing, make a thing. If I can do it, you can do it. And he's very big on that. Uh -huh. And it's just my way of saying, hey, I made this thing. Thanks for the motivation. Appreciate it. And that was that was going to be it. Yeah. And I showed it to him. He looked at it. Well, this is really cool. And then he looked at me and said, how can I help? Wow. And it was one of those <laughs> moments where I was like, I, I, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> So going back and forth, email this and that and da, 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 da. And eventually I got a short little, like, you know, 30 second video from him saying, Hey, I met Tim in Sacramento and he showed me his book and it's great. And, you know, please uh, support him in, in the Kickstarter. And, and, and that's, you know, part of my pitch video. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I get to put endorsed by Kevin Smith in the title of the Kickstarter, which I hope gets some clicks. Yeah. That's awesome. I, I mean, I, yeah. I'd imagine it would. Yeah. Yeah. He has I a mean, big fan base of nerds. It sounds so. like you got this all taken care of. I mean, I'm really excited. I mean, this is just, wow. I talk about home runs, knocking it out of the park, my dude. I'm, I, I hope so. You know, I have, I have uh, some other ideas of stuff that I'm going to do and, you know, some cool rewards. You know, the printer that I'm, I'm working with also has an option of doing a hardcover book. Okay. So I'm throwing that out there as an option for the people that, you know, really love me, want to support me. <laughs> you're, you're speaking my language now, Tim. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also uh, what I'm doing, we have a, a set of art prints because when it was going to be a four issue miniseries, my penciler did wraparound covers for all four issues, which I repurposed into chapter dividers for the graphic novel, but you don't get to see the back half of what she drew. So one of the rewards is going to be a set of art prints that you get to see the full image because I want people to see the great job that she did. That's cool. Awesome. And I and, and I got a, a buddy of mine to do the cover. The cover that you see on the, the pre-launch page was done by somebody else. And that was a guy named Chuck Boykevich that actually uh, drew Justice League back in the 90s. Wow. And also worked for uh, Bloor Studio, you know, um, the studio that did the the Deadpool quote unquote leaked footage. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Yeah, he he was working there when that was going on, and I've known him through going to San Diego Comic Con for twenty five years. Oh, that's awesome! And so oh. I reached out to him, and he so he penciled the cover, so I got the ink over his stuff, which was a lot of fun. That's cool. Yeah. So one of the other rewards that I want to do is like a mini poster of uh, this divergent artwork, no logos and stuff of the yeah. cover that he did. So we have some some cool stuff for that. Well, that's really cool, man. I'm super excited for you. This sounds like uh, you're going to be rocking this thing out. You've got, how long's the campaign for? You launched March 1st, March right? 1st. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a three-week campaign, 21 days. Okay. Oh, all right. Nice. Well, trying to get in and out. I like it. I like it. And uh, yep. is this your first project? Yeah, this is the first project I'm doing. So I, I'm, I'm hoping that it, uh, you know, 
goes wildfire and, and we're able to do the sequel, which as I outline it is, is turning out to be even bigger than the first book. <laughs> that's cool, man. That, I mean, that's I'm, nice. I'm rooting for you. That's very nice. Yes. I, I, I think it's awesome. It. I think it's awesome. you guys having me on. Of course, dude. Of um, course. So where can we find you on social media? You're going to be doing all the bing bang boom letting everybody know about this stuff how can we follow you on social media to get uh, absolutely so i i did not think ahead to get the same handle on everything (laughs) (laughs) so um on twitter i am tim b watts be like boy w-a-t-t-s okay um on instagram i am tbw753 so you can check me out in either one of those and i'm you know as we get closer, I'm posting more and more frequent updates and, you know, I'll give everybody a heads up when this drops, which you said would be, when, when do you think this episode? Is this will be out probably the first, probably the okay. day. Oh, day, day of. Launch. Fantastic. Yep. Day Fantastic. Launch. Okay. Yeah. And I'll you make can, sure and let everybody know to go and check it out. And easy peasy, you can go to what, therepublicnovel.com? Yes, because right now, if you go there, it will take you to the pre-launch page. And then um, once the it launches, it will take you to the campaign page. So that's, right. you don't have to do Kickstarter, search this and that. It's just a redirect straight to the campaign page. Sounds great, man. Uh, Tim, we're really rooting for you, bud. Congratulations on your first uh, soiree into comics. I hope it works out for you. And man, I, I, I hope big things happen for you, dude. No, I appreciate it, man. I, I, I'm glad to be here and had a lot of fun talking about all the, the good nerd stuff. Sounds good. My That's man. awesome. That was Tim Watts. His Kickstarter for the Republic, his first graphic novel, launches today. So on go, March 1st, yeah. go to uh, therepublicnovel.com and get all the information you need about Tim and his book. Interesting dude, interesting guy. We had a lot of fun talking to him. It was a lot of fun. Next week, we have a very special guest. Um, Erica Schultz is coming back to the pod. Wow. Yeah. We've missed Erica the yeah. last time she was here. Erica she was, Erica's got a lot of stuff going on. Erica does have a lot of stuff going on. But last time she was here, she was talking about the Deadliest Bouquet. So we'll talk to her about the Deadliest Bouquet and other things. It was great. Yeah, I really and, enjoyed that. And I think that Erica has a few other things that she'll want to talk about, including some things at Dark Horse. I, I don't even know. It might be hush-hush. Who knows? It might be hush-hush. We can't say know. that? Okay. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Well, who, who knows how all this stuff works? I know she has something coming out through Dark Horse soon. I know, yes. she's, I know she's got bylines and blood through um what's it called aftershock out aftershock, right now yes. but i'm not sure what's going on uh i know she's got a lot of other things too but i guess we'll find out we, we, we might not be allowed to say we might get uh poppy violet and um and the other character to kill she, she might get them to kill us yeah so we'll what happens yeah. thank you guys so much for listening we'll be back next week with a lot more fun and a lot more awesomeness rose um, that's the there it is <laughs> have a great week everybody we'll talk to you soon <laughs> You're listening to the Word Bros Podcast, thewordbros.com.